Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, fire, flammables, an album that burns eternally. Today, we'll be trying to be better, even though we sometimes slip by digging into the 2005 album by Kiara Sheard, This Is Me. I was truly a circumstantial kind of praiser Only when things were going good I lift my voice and worship Forgetting when all of the chips were down Who faithfully stayed around and helped me out Lord, I don't know how Kiera Sheard Kelly was born 34 years ago in Detroit, Michigan to an iconic gospel family, a dynasty started by the genius Maddie Moss Clark and brought to prominence by her children, the Clark sisters. This Is Me, Kiera's second album, released by EMI Gospel on June 27, 2006, was a Grammy-nominated scorcher that reflected both contemporary gospel's fresh sensibilities and a realness that was in step with both her youth and the influence of R&B music and its producers. If you long for mid-2000s R&B, This Is You. The arrangements and musicianship are chef's kiss compelling for the church kids and non. It's got elements that I campaign for regularly on this show, interludes and intros, and things that I swoon for, pretty layered harmonies, conversations. This album is full of praise, full of worship, and on tracks like No Never and Yes, there are songs to dance to. All the while, you recognize why we're here. This album won a Dove Award and a Stellar Award and also won over a new generation of believers that, like Kiera, love the Lord and R&B. Rodney and Fred Jerkins, Warren Campbell, P.J. Morton. Those names alone should let you know what goodness awaits you on this album. And lest I forget to mention, Kiara Sheard can sing, like really sing. Her vocals are fire, resulting in This Is Me being a heat rock. This Is Me was the album pick of our guest today, Louisville's finest, Mars. Maybe it's too punny to say that Mars has bars, but her pen game is what helped this singer, songwriter, rapper catapult her way onto the edge of stardom. Much like Kira herself, Mars grew up in the church and was already putting people on notice upon graduating high school, first igniting a slow burn social media strategy, dropping freestyles and songs via Instagram and TikTok, which helped her land on the radar of one Timbaland back in 2019. God, I can't even get my own daughter to follow me on IG, let alone having Tim Mosley trying to recruit me to the Super Friends via a DM. Their partnership has generated a handful of singles in 2021 so far, the latest being the super smoothed out countless times. I gotta keep loving you, babe, knowing the love ain't the same. Then we go our separate ways. What if I give up on us? At the very beginning of the song, Mars lets us know you are now entering a vibe. Here's to her keeping us in the vibe as she continues her rise. Mars, welcome to Heat Rocks. Hey, hello. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mars, why Kira Sheard and why this album by her? Um, I would definitely say it had to do a lot with what I was experiencing with my mom during the life moments we was going through. Um, it was a very 
inspiring album to me just as far as like my beliefs and stuff and just me being able to um, grow as a person. Uh, this album really just helped me sculpt who I am mindset wise and just being a lot more open minded about more stuff rather than being stuck in my own ways because I was always like that. And it was like I always wanted to put my foot down, but it's like, no, like it's OK to let other people in. And I'm still learning that, that it's OK to ask for help. You know what I'm saying? It's OK to be vulnerable. So that album really just scoped me into being the person that I am today. And with it being mm. shared, it kind of it's a cool fact that so with the Clark sisters, Kiki Sheard is Karen Clark Sheard's daughter and yeah. Clark Sheard, she can she's the vocalist and she passed it down to her daughter. My mom is the second, the second one out of her sisters. Uh, she's the vocalist and she passed it down to me. So we relate a lot church wise and gospel wise in that area. Yeah. It's just dealing with a whole bunch of we can relate a lot to them personally and music wise. Definitely. Who turned you on to this specific album? My mom, actually. My mom, that's the Clark Sisters is my one of my mom's favorite artists. Uh her, uh, Kimberell, um, the Walls group. We always used to listen to a lot of gospel groups. That's what my mom used to always play on the on Sunday. So my mom's the one that turned me on to that group. Whenever she was, whenever she played This Is Me, I knew that my dad then did something. I was like, oh my God, we're about to be on the road. She's about to go to my grandma's house all the way an hour drive. I was like, I already know what's about to happen. <laughs> so when she put that on, I was like, all right. And after that, she just kept replaying it. And it's just little by little everything i didn't really understand what she was saying but then i just went back and reflected and was like oh i get what she's saying now you know what i'm saying just took it and ran with it shout out to mama mars there you go good taste for, good for, taste. Real, though. for real you can't tell me nothing about this trust me man you can't get into heaven without this it's like i was born on the view i know what to do i really don't understand why it's so hard for you i will continue every night to Morgan, you were so hyped when Mars chose this album. Why? Well, the short answer is because I'm a church kid, as everybody who uh, listens to this podcast knows by now. So um, my first love, and I get asked a lot as a music supervisor, Mm -hmm. uh, what music uh, did I grow up on? And and my first love is always gospel. I grew up in the church, was raised in the church. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, too, um, you know, I grew up on the Clark sisters, and so... Uh, it's just a part, a continual part of a tree that keeps producing fruit. They're just a, a talented um, family. Also, in 2005, my mom and I went down to Atlanta for Women Now Art Loosed, and uh, Kiki Shepherd performed. Oh, and uh, and I remember being like, "Wow, like she's got power." But I also knew it was it was a generational shift. Uh, that she had all the vocals of the Clark sisters, but it was a different generation. I thought it was very, very refreshing. So, and I love this album. So, um, when I when I found out that she picked it, I was like, "Oh man, okay, we in there." So, yeah, so we in there. Our audience members will probably, hopefully, remember that on our recent winter holiday special from late last year, uh, Morgan, you gave us a mini lesson on the Clark sisters and what they mean to and have meant to gospel music. So. Um, can you and Mars feel free to jump in on this as well? What is the significance of Kira being part of this first family of gospel music? Well, well, I'll say that she belongs to the next generation of of kids, uh, you know, that that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, as it were. My generation, we had 
Daryl Coley, we had Walter Hawkins and Love Alive. We had uh, John P. Key, Hezekiah Walker. We had Vanessa Bell Armstrong. We had Tremaine. We had all these groups, right? Um, and so this generation, the millennial generation, Kiara Shears about to be 34 and, and on, I think they needed someone with those sorts of roots. She's unabashedly Church of God in Christ. That's first thing. And two, she's a part of the larger legacy of great gospel artists in Detroit. There's something in the water in Detroit. There must be. Thomas Whitfield, yeah. CeCe Winans, the entire, it's another another big dynasty. The Winans is a whole big gospel dynasty, also from uh, Detroit. You have Vanessa Bell Armstrong, who I mentioned. You can consider Aretha Franklin part of the gospel tradition. I also Detroit. Think you should. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Dietrich Haddon, uh, the late, yes. great James Moore. Uh, so a lot of good stuff came out of Detroit, but well known for these gospel legacies, and she is a part of that. And if you spend a couple of minutes listening to uh, Kiara Sheard, you will know that she's got all those harmonies in her DNA. She just makes uh, different choices, but they 100% pass the baton because she can go there. You know, say what as we call flat foot singing, she can go there. She's just the next generation. Um, and before we get to like Lecrae and Molly Music, she's right in that pocket. Mm. I mean, Mars, you were saying that you grew up listening to the Clark sisters in the house because yeah. of your mom. So when yeah. you discovered that the Clark sisters had a next generation and one who I mean, maybe not exactly your age, but you could, you were saying before, you can identify with being, you know, a second generation or third generation um, singer and and the connection to the church and gospel. So how does Kira's, you know, her, her family lineage play into what you appreciate about her, what you think about her her craft? Um, Definitely just, my mom always told me, have faith in God for real, for real, like just making sure I stay focused, stay positive. But honestly, I used to watch, uh, the Karen Clark shoot, their show that they had. And me and my brother used to be, I used to act like I was Kiara shit. He used to act like he was Jay Drew shit, which was Kiki's brother. And, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We used to go back and relay and be like, oh, my brother plays, his name is Sharel. He plays piano and guitar. That's exactly what he does. And I'm the one that can sing. So we'd be at the church every day, just going crazy. You know what I'm saying? And they do the same exact thing. My Sharel will come to the studio with me or he'll pop in with me and be like, oh, sis, I like that. You know what I'm saying? Just the connection they had. It literally is like I'm seeing it within my own eyes, like it's television and dealing with uh, I forgot what I think her name is uh, the Clark sisters. Mom Miss Maddie Moss or something like that. Maddie Moss uh, Clark. Yes, mama. Just like that's how my grandma was. She was like stern with my aunt and my uncles and them. It's four of them, four girls that can sing. It's my Tabitha, my mom, my Nana and my aunt Sandra. And it's, it's just crazy that everything that they went through, my family just resembled the same exact thing so it's, it's crazy it's two different kind of perspectives though because I'm I'm more of like in the secular side but I also know you know what I'm saying the the boundaries dealing with the gospel music too as well so it just helps me keep a difference as well and knowing the respect difference as well I am obsessed with voices <laughs> like obsessed textures timbres choices and what I love about Kiara's voice is, as I said earlier, it's a beautiful blend of classic yeah. Clark harmonies and 90s and early aughts R&Bisms. And she's a part of that school, like singers like Faith Evans and Jasmine mm-hmm. Sullivan and Brandy, yeah. who all grew up in the church, ran into R&B producers, and we have something in the middle. But what I really like about Kiara's voice is that she can do all those things, 
that her mother <laughs> and her aunts can do. But she's got another thing in her pocket, and that's that lower register that she plays with. And that's one of the things that I'm most attracted to about her voice. So my question mm-hmm. for you is, as a singer, as an artist, what's special about Kiara's voice to you? Or what's the thing uh, that you like about the way she sings? Um, I definitely have to say the way, just the power that her voice holds to me. When I listen to her, it honestly, like my soul just shakes. Like she just gives me, I just feel the anointing off of it. Like there's no words for it. Like I feel at peace. I feel like her voice is like really just healing. Like whenever she opens her mouth, I'm I'm just receiving whatever she's whatever she's flowing out you know what I'm saying I just try to connect with her in a way that I feel like what makes her different and what grabs me in is just the way her vibrato as well like the tone the way that she carries her notes I feel like that's something that really gets my attention and the way she just plays with her voice like she just be doing so much crazy stuff sometimes she'd be catching herself slipping and I'd be like go ahead girl you know what I'm saying like she just goes crazy like it just literally flows out of her. It's like nothing's forced. It's just there. You get what you get. You know what I'm saying? And she's always going to give her best. So. Come on, let's groove. Young Drew, Julie, Elsie. I don't know. I don't know. What I would do. I want to play this clip. Where she picks up where her mom leaves off. And Christian, uh-huh. if you could play those coordinates, it's a real pass the baton moment, but it, it really underscores everything you're saying about what's crazy about about yeah. her voice. Oh, oh, come here, Kiara. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for keeping me. You didn't have to do it all. Oh, oh, I need you to take it right here, Kiara, but I want you to behave yourself. You know what to do, but do it unto the name of the Lord. Oh, you love me. Crazy, right? Oh, God. Crazy. Like, and that's just, just, and they singing Jill Scott, okay? Right, right, right in the church. So uh, there's a there's, there are subtle differences. You hear all the Clarkisms, right? Exactly. Yeah, I but, hear literally all their voices mixed together. Like, it's crazy. But but Kiara's got a little jazz in that pocket. And I mm-hmm. love I, I love that. It's very um, much like Kim Burrell. Jazz exactly. singers love Kim Burrell because they're like, she's just like a jazz singer that happens to be gospel. And I'm like, nope, she's a gospel <laughs> singer that happens to exactly. be a jazz artist, right? Exactly. Uh, but I think Kiara's got, got a little bit, little bit of that. Another question I have for you. So what song of Kiara's did you sing a lot on your own practice or otherwise um, imitate? What's, what's that one? Even if it's not on this album, what's the one song that you were um, just like, this is it for me? Ain't gonna lie, uh, definitely uh, faith. Uh, always like, I gotta have faith, 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 faith. I used to always like try to do her riffs and runs on that. I gotta have my faith. I gotta have. Can I give it out here? 
that song, I, I played that out uh, nonstop. My mom had this blue Lincoln and she used to uh, drive like three hours just to get to work out Shelbyville. And that's the same song she used to play that song in Ty Tribbett, uh, I want it all back. That song, I don't know what the name is, but she would play that in those two songs. And I'd be like, Ma, hold on, hold on. And the song you just play, You Love Me as a song. You love me every time I away. Oh, wow. You love me. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. Me and my mom would go back playing that same exact part. Uh, the same thing that Karen and Kiki was doing. They would go back and forth playing that same part. We would literally just be playing around and singing around the house, singing that all day. I'm gonna be like, shut up, you're saying too much. Right, hold on, let me get that rope one more time. <laughs> like, oh my God. And she'd be like, no, this is how you do it. And I'd be like, all right, mama, now you're showing off. I can't do all that. So she'd be teasing me. <laughs> Indeed. Your touch, your hand, your style, your intelligence, you kept me. In terms of the fluidity of styles that we're talking about here, and just to qualify, people who listen to Heat Rocks know, and I've admitted this many times, I am very much ignorant of contemporary gospel music. But because we did have uh, our episode earlier this year with Sam Henshaw talking about the rebirth of Kirk Franklin, and one of the things that came up in that discussion was how Franklin, and on that album in particular, really helped to open the door for gospel artists to embrace secular pop styles that were, you know, cropping up in the nineties and OOs. And I mean, I might be really off base here because this is the first time prepping for today that I've listened to this is me, but that this album sounds to me like a perfect example of what it is that Franklin was trying to encourage people to do. And I like that Sheard in an interview said that she wanted this album in particular to sound quote, uh, like more of the music me and my friends listen to unquote. And I'm guessing just by, Taking a spin through This Is Me, Kiki and her friends were probably listening to a lot of Destiny's Child, Amari, yep. and Brandy, just to name three artists off the top. And I'm wondering how each of you experienced this album in relation not to necessarily to the gospel world, but really to what R&B in the mid-2000s was sounding like. I don't really know. It's it's really more like you were saying, is going back into the background of just listening to the same artist as she was. My experience was like, whoa, like... At first, I ain't gonna lie, I was like, okay, is this okay? Like, cause you know, I grew up, it was like super strict. I'm like, okay, hold on, like, hold on, wait, what is she doing? So and my mom put it on and I was like, oh, if my mom's listening to it, she's like, I know this is a bob, but then we finna play this, this we play this mug out. And going back with uh Kimberell, my mom used to listen to, I forgot what album it was, but it was a, a old Kimberell album that she used to outplay a lot that that also opened up the door where she would sing certain songs to my dad that was from the Kimberell album and she would like interpret them into love songs. I think it was actually the love album. Love I believe so. The love it was album. Kimberell. And she would sing that to my dad and she really introduced me to that. And I was just like, this sounds just like, you know, like how you saying some destiny's child, some, some, con- some, you know, some secular music. I was like, well, this is some, some hard, sh- some hard shit for real for I was like, all right. Hey, yo, Keith, your verse two, where you at, girl? not understand why it took me so much time. 
we will be back with more of our conversation with Mars about This Is Me after a brief word from some of our sibling Max Fun podcasts. Keep it locked. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we're the hosts of Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a Simpsons-adjacent podcast where we talk to Simpsons folks about non-Simpsons things. That's right. So in the past, we've gotten to talk to legendary showrunners and writers like Al Jean, Bill Oakley, Josh Weinstein, Dana Gould, Mike Reese, and David X. Cohen. Voice actors like Maurice LaMarche, Maggie Roswell, and Yardley Smith, the voice of Lisa Simpson! So we've been away (laughs) securing guests for our final five episodes, and we are super excited about them. We're going to talk to Mike Scully, Jeff and Samantha Martin, Jeff Westbrook. Guys, our final episode, we got to interview Matt Groening. We are so excited to share these final recordings. So check out our new episodes of Round Springfield starting June 21st on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, and we're back on Heat Rocks. We're talking Kiara Sheard's This Is Me with our guest, Mars. I wanted to ask you about just one more question about about vocals. And, and this I'm asking because, of course, we've got Karen Clark Sheard and Kiara Sheard. No pressure. Your mom just sings her face off. No pressure. But one of the things that, it, that Karen Clark Sheard has said often is that when she was little, mm-hmm. her mom, Maddie Moss Clark, they would hit some notes and our mother would be like, you got to take it up a little higher. You got to tell you, you can do better that you could take it up higher. So to what extent do you think your mom singing around you made you a better singer by challenging you by riffing off of you? How did that affect you as a singer? To what, to what extent do you think it improved you as a singer or challenged you as a singer? Um, Definitely. I feel like it was dealing with being inside of the church because I was all always I was always at church Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, throughout throughout the week. And every Wednesday we had practice and I was literally the tallest out of everybody in the group. And, you know, there'd be nobody there, but it'd be like everybody's parents that's there. So it's literally always all eyes on me. And my mom would sit there and like I'd get scared and she'd be like, you know, you got this. Like she'd always give me side little motivational scriptures and side motivational quotes that I say to myself. She'll pull me back to the back. I had a solo this one Sunday and I, I believe that it was like a play or something and like four different churches had came to our church and I was like beyond scared to sing this solo. And she was like, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And I just kept saying that and kept saying that in my head. I went in there and I was like, all right, let's do this. So really just her being able to be my support system and pushing me to be further. She always was like, read. Put your mind to this and you can do anything you believe in. Just, just words of affirmation, letting me know that, you know, it's a, it may be a thousand people, but you know me. And she always wears bright colors. 
anytime you see my mom, she'll be switching her outfit three times a day, but it's always going to be colorful. So whenever she was in the crowd, I just look for, I look for rainbows. I'm looking for colors. I'm like, I just focus on my mama and she's like, she smiles at me and I'm like, all right, let's breathe. And I got, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So that's really how the confidence came in. Ain't gonna lie, she kind of pushed me. She would keep me after church on Sundays when we had different churches that we had to go to. And I had, I used to be in the mom, I used to dance, and I also used to sing in the choir with my auntie and them when they used to sing. They called the Jones sisters, and you know, they go around minister church singing in different churches. And she'd be like, You gotta sing this lead for me because your auntie can't make it. So I'm literally, there's three grown-ups, and it's little me that's 13, 14, singing, trying to sing these notes with them and they got me substituting for my aunt until she gets there and I'm like that really just prepared me to be like I I, I can do better and just stay focused on just do what I can do you know what I'm saying and to just grow from there I got people that surround me be always them singing around me anywhere that my family goes we're always going to be singing we go to a baby shower we at the park happy birthday it's literally nothing but singing around me so it's literally I'm, I learned by ear so just hearing them being around me 24 7 that's how my confidence came around just feeding off of them just listening just all right take from this take from that do my own little things switch it around you know what I'm saying so that's how that came about indeed <laughs> off of this album off of this is me Mars what is your fire track what is the song that you know this album's what 16 years old at this point what's the song off here that still just lights it up for you every time mm, ain't gonna lie it definitely is this is me just because you know that's just one of those things where I was in the moment my mom was going through so much and I couldn't do nothing I didn't really know who I was I was still trying to figure out you know, where my next meal was coming from. Like, I'm not thinking about all this at 11, 12 years old. So I'm just like, all right, you know, I'm going to school every day. I get bullied at school. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right, this is just me. You know what I'm saying? Everything that she was talking about, I feel like, and this is me. She was basically just talking about all the church people, every everybody just judging her, everything that was going on in her life. You know what I'm saying? And that was kind of how I felt. People was judging me. It just related so much where I was like, you know, I have a right to feel this way, but you know, I can't change me. This is who I am. You know what I'm saying? Either accept me or leave me where I'm at. No, I don't always seem to see it. Yes, it does manifest. It feels so evidently no one can deny that you're the one working through me so I can be what you call me. If I the faith, I reach your word and won't claim my blessings. I was alluding to this in the first half, but I just love the, how the production on here is just such a time warp back to that particular moment in Mm r&b i mean even Mm -hmm. the what is it the the chimes that they use in there you know that those kind of little touches right and i think along those lines you know my fire track off this album is yes partly because it's the most energetic song but it's certainly the one that i think the moment i heard it just instantly time warped me back to the early mid 2000s and as we talked about in the first half i mean this song has crazy shades of uh, amari and I could, if I'd known about this album back then, I could have totally imagined dropping this in the club then. Morgan, how about you? What's the, what's the fire track for you off of here? 
Well, real quick, I mean, this comes this album comes out a year after A Marie's One Thing. Shout out to Rich Harrison for production. So it's mm-hmm. fire. And what I like about it is it's got all that all that arrangement and all that percussion, but it's all spiritual. So you can get away with it. I think sometimes in the later years is temptation to sort of mm-hmm. squeeze Jesus into your R and B. And this is like nope. This is what I'm singing about. You can dance to it. Stay spiritual, though. And, and I like that it's got so much energy, which is uh, really unexpected, um, I think, for, for a gospel tune. Um, my, my jam, and I, you know, I have to pick two. Okay. Uh, because I just have to pick two. Right. <laughs> um, Faith is my first one. That's my first love Thanks. on this album. Because the arrangement and production is so Brandy-ish, and I love Brandy. It sounds like it could have been a bonus track on Full Moon. And it's got that Warren Campbell uh, dust all over it that gives it that texture. It's just so pretty. And this explains it all. Where I am now, I may not be pleased. Guys, that was hard. She's crazy. That's the one. That's the one. And then, um, no, never, because no, never is just so funky. Mm. I mean, it's just like you got to be kidding me. It just makes my face tight. And then what she does with scales and harmonies, I always use this word of flex, because although Mm. one one of the things I love about her is her humility. Once you mm-hmm. see her a couple times, you see her perform, you'll know that it is all about, she's all about service and she's all about the message. But for someone who's been given so much vocally, this is a song where you just like, she's got, all, she's in her bag. She's got every exactly. possible <laughs> thing in her pocket. And she's like, you know what, let me just drop this harmony off on you and ah, take that run real quick. Uh, but it's really humble, but, but I like that. And um, that's the song, that's the one that makes me want to run down the street. Super West Coast with those synths, too. I mean, that's a little Dre-esque, I feel like, you know? Very Dre-esque and very B. Slade-esque. Like she does, she stretches those harmonies and she layers them in a way that she pushes the envelopes. Because I think, um, and Mars, you'll know this, I think there are specific gospel runs, like there are specific gospel chords, and sometimes we stay in the pocket. And what I love about contemporary gospel and some of the new singers is they're like, we're not bound by this one tradition We'll sing all low register. We'll go, you know, we'll go We'll go to the stratosphere. And that's what I love about Kier. She's Because she's of that generation, she's young. And she's been listening to a lot of other folks outside of gospel. So so she sets herself free. So those are my two fire jams. Okay, if I groove with you a little bit, let's just sit back and think about some things that God has put us through. And it's only because of him. So we just say, I don't know what I would do. Okay, so a favorite moment. And Oliver, you got to kick this one off. What's your favorite moment on this album? So much like you had two fire tracks, I have two favorite moments. And the first is more of an honorable mention, but it is the Neptunes-esque four count that kicks mm-hmm. off the song, You. Yeah, huh? 
Maybe because we just talked about the NERD album a few episodes ago and we were talking specifically about how Chad and Pharrell use that four count on so many different Neptunes productions. So when I heard this, my first thought was, damn, did the Neptunes produce this? And a lot of the song is very, very Neptunes-esque, including some of the ad-libs at, at the back. So I immediately ran to check the credits, but no, it's Warren Campbell, who Morgan mentioned a moment ago. But yeah, this sounds like it's straight out of Virginia Beach. Um, but my favorite moment goes back to Yes, and it's at the end of Yes when an uncredited DJ scratches on the outro. And I feel bad because we keep comparing Kira's songs to other people's songs, but I think as we've discussed, I mean, there's something purposeful with that. And the way in which those scratches come in feels very just blazy to me. So yeah, I'm never going to be mad at, at a DJ scratching the outro right there. So Premier, take me out with the fader. Morgan, how about you? What's your favorite moment? Well, you know, and if you've listened to this show a time or two, everyone knows I love an interlude. Like, please, justice for interludes, bring back interludes. <laughs> uh, so my favorite moment is the hear this intro. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I love the way that it goes right into hear, the, hear this. Kiara talking to the people sharing from her heart. You got to have that on the album. Talk to the people, share from your heart. And the way it just floats into here, this is so swoony. It's perfect. I've been in a situation where I felt like the Lord didn't hear my cry. I made the same mistakes over and over. And I just wanted the Lord to hear me and forgive me for the things that I've done. And I know you've probably dealt with the same thing. I want to encourage you. Know that he'll hear you, just talk to him. I know I've said to you over and over. Ooh, that's gonna make me in my feelings. <laughs> that's the one. It goes right into the song. But it it it's very um it's just so classic R and B because it to me it sounds like the beginning of um it, it has those chimes that Oliver mentioned. So it sounds like to me the beginning of the boy is mine. So it could really go right into Monica and Brandy, but it doesn't exactly. stay spiritual, but it has that thing. But yes, bring back interludes to these Mars for your next album. Have an interlude on there. And Have a conversation on there. And you, you need voicemail. You need an answering machine skit because that's how you really take it back. That's it. Have I got a song like that. So Okay. All right. All right. All right. What's your favorite moment on this album, if you have one? Um, there's actually, I was going to say the same thing, the interlude on Hear This, uh, just listening to that, that really, it opened me up like, okay, girl, I hear you talking to me. Now stop talking to me so much. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just put me in a place where it was like, I really need to think this over. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just put me in a thinking space for real, for real. It just touched me that way. That's all I can say for real. Just made me reflect on stuff for real. And she's 18 when this mm -hmm. uh, album is released. Mm -hmm. And I like the freedom that she has, the conviction that she has, but also the freedom to speak to folks that are going through real things and real challenges um, as as 18 year old young women and, and men growing up in the aught. So it's a real, real uh, transparent um, next generation of Clarks. And I really like that. And I think that's part of the appeal. Um, of her, of her as an artist in this album. Mm -hmm. 
Mars, if you had to describe this is me in three words, what three words would you choose? Um, healing. Um, definitely something that's true that I connect with myself. And honestly, a lesson. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like a lesson. Mm. Like go back and do a lot of reflecting. You know what I'm saying? Lessons learned. That's what I'm saying. Well, before we jump out of here, we always want to leave our audience members with something dope to step to. So we have some recommendations for things to listen to after this album. I'm going to I'm gonna dip out of this particular one, but Morgan, let's have you start. What would you recommend people check out after This Is Me? I usually recommend one album, but I have to recommend two. Just because we've been talking about Kim Burrell a lot, um, I'd urge people to go to the Love album or go back to her first album, which is called Everlasting Life. Either one are either one is good but further to what mars brought up the love album is really pretty and she does some really beautiful um gospel covers of contemporary songs and i receive you in all of your splendor yeah. and i receive you in all of your glory yeah. Also, I'd go back to, uh, I think this might have been 1999, maybe, and Mary, Mary, Thankful. Um, if you want to hear the Warren Campbell special touch and influence, go back to that album. It's beautiful, thrust them into the game, and uh, something that I continue to bump all the time. Mars, how about you? What would you recommend our audience members check out after they're done with This Is Me? Um, Definitely J Moss Rebuilt Me. I feel mm. like that is definitely one that I feel like if anybody that's struggling with um, with mental anything, definitely check that out. That's something that I feel will gravitate, helping into just healing your mental for us. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Mars. We're so glad to uh, have you with us. And I love talking about gospel music. So thank you for picking uh, this album. Let us know what you're working on now and uh, where can people find you on the socials? Uh, definitely. I'm working on my e my debut EP, Love Letters. It'll be out June 17th, 2021. I uh, hope that y'all enjoy this and just take nothing but love and positivity from it. Y'all can find me on social media, on Instagram at Mars Official. M-A-R-Z-Z-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L-L Snapchat and Twitter Mars M-A-R-Z-Z And that's it man I appreciate the love And thank y'all for having me so much I had such a, a great time man Thank y'all Thank you Thank you for coming on 
You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.